Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Let me ask you a question. Are you sick of stress? <laughs> Man, if you're not, you're one of the few people in the world because I'm going to tell you something. Stress has become such a part of our life. I was reading statistics on stress the other day, and I'm not going to get them right because I just I, I didn't try to memorize them, keep it with them. But it's, it, it's, it's crazy. 75, 85% of all doctor visits are stress related. Companies are losing, you know, billions of dollars of years, uh, of dollars per year because of stress related things that are happening on the job. And the, and the real truth is everything about our society is pointed towards stress and pressure. And some sources say that 90 to 95% of all illnesses are stress-related. I didn't say stress caused them, but I said they're stress-related. <clears throat> you know, let me give you a good example. And I've read a lot of studies on this, and I have seen this. You've got to remember, you know, I've been in the ministry for, for over 45 years, and I uh, had a clinic. I, I'm a health practitioner, and so I've worked with a lot of these. It's really interesting to see people as they get elderly who are, who are their health is pretty good, you know, things are going pretty well, they're managing themselves, and then suddenly they have a big stress in their life. They lose somebody they love or they go through some financial difficulty, and it's like overnight their health plummets. And before, before long, uh, you're burying the people that you love. Uh, matter of fact, it doesn't just happen to elderly people, it happens to, to everybody. You have some major stressor in your life. You know, some of you have heard me talk about it. Back in 2005, I was in an automobile accident and there were things that happened to me after that accident that there is no medical way to explain other than the stress that my body went through, the physiological stress. See, we have a tendency to think that stress is just emotional and it's just about the way that we handle our emotions. But let me tell you something. Remember, there's a, there is a mind-body connection. Now, now listen, medical science doesn't get this. Medical, medical science doesn't want to see the mind-body connection. Let me say some medical science does, but m most of your old school medical people don't get the mind-body connection. And your, your upper echelon medical people don't want to get it because they'd lose billions of dollars a year in revenues if they ever admitted that there was a mind-body connection. <clears throat> and, and the Bible talks about this mind-body connection. It talks about the link between emotions and physical and mental health. Well, to most Christians, if you even talk about that, it's like, bam, you're new age, you're talking new age. No, this is just, this is just biblical. But we have all kinds of biblical evidence and we have all types of scientific evidence that points out this connection between, between the mind and the body, between the functions of the organs and the emotions that they, that they influence, and, and, and it can go either way. The organs can, can, can influence the function uh, of the emotions, and the emotions can influence the function 
uh, of the organs themselves. And so there is a continuum there that affects our health. It's not just emotional. Some people, sometimes people think that somebody who is, who is struggling with stress and struggling with being overwhelmed, they think, well, you're just a wimp. You know, you're just not, you just need to toughen up. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot more to it than that. And I hate it when self-righteous people, usually the people who are making those statements are people who are fortunate enough to not have have health problems throughout their life. But I want to tell you something. We are living in a time, in a day of phenomenal stress. And here, you know, here's one of the things too that, that I've seen so much. And, you know, I do, I, I still do some uh, work consulting in business situations. I, I still do some business seminars and I still work with creative people one-on-one -on -one and help people, you know, develop themselves some. And one of the things, one of the great lies that so many people have come to believe is that they are more productive under stress. I want to tell you something. That just is not true. Now, I know you would argue with it. and You'd, you'd look back to times where you are more productive under stress or, or where you get productive once you get under stress. But, but I got news for you. That is, that is learned behavior where you have actually... You know, just stop and think about it this way. Let's say you're in high school or you're in college, and particularly in college, you're working a job, you got responsibilities, man, you got a, you got a midterm paper that's coming due or something, so you, you finally get a, get, get a chance to work on that paper, and you set up all night writing the paper, drinking, you know, drinking Mountain Dew or drinking a coffee or whatever, man, keeping that caffeine going, and you get that paper written, and it's like, bam, you turn it in, and it comes out good. Well, you know, once you, once you link uh, uh, creativity and stress together, whether, whether it happens biologically because cells that, you know, that fire together, wire together. In other, in other words, once you have your brain functioning with two different things happening at the same time, then those begin to fi fire together because they become wired together. In other words, you start actually, you start actually every time you wanting, want to be creative, there's something that happens in you that you wait until you're under stress. You wait until the deadline. So eventually you get to the place to where in order to feel creative, you have to stimulate your addiction to stress. You have to wait till the last minute because you have taught your mind, you've taught your brain, you've taught your body that that's the only way that you can be creative. And eventually you end up with, an, with, with a heart belief or even an intellectual belief of that. And so, so the only time you're creative is when you're under stress. Well I, well, I want you to know that may be true, but you would be more creative and you would be healthier and you would live longer if you broke that addiction to stress because the real truth is you will be far more creative if you're not under stress. As a matter of fact, studies show that people become the most creative when they are in a relaxed state of mind. As a matter of fact, when we're in a relaxed state of mind, we become open to God. We become open to our own natural creativity. Everything about us functions better when we are not under stress because stress puts us in this survival mode. Our, our, the blood stops going to the organs. The organs are not getting nurtured. They're not healing. We don't sleep like we're supposed to. Our body's not healing. Except all of these horrible things are happening. And for the believer, 
It makes it nearly impossible to hear from God because we are in survival mode. We have blocked the pathway from our heart to our brain and we're not hearing what God is saying in our heart. We're remembering what God said to us some other time. We're remembering information out of the Bible, but we're not hearing the voice of God showing us how uh, to manage ourselves in this situation, showing us the best solutions for the problems that we're facing today. I want to tell you something. God always wants to be ever present with you in whatever situation you are facing today. And He wants to lead you through that situation to the very best possible outcome. And I know many times you, 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 you're praying and you're crying out to God and it still doesn't end right. Well, if that's the case, and don't condemn yourself, don't beat yourself up. If that's the case, then, then you either couldn't hear the voice of God in that situation, or you heard the voice of God and didn't trust it for one reason or the other, or you trusted some other process more than you trusted the voice of God. Well, you know, last week we talked about uh, how that this isn't just any kind of peace. We're talking about the peace of God. Now, the peace of God is so very different from the peace of the world. Because remember, that's one of the things that Jesus said. He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but, but my peace. And you say, well, what is the difference? Isn't peace, peace? No. A tranquil state of mind can come because you smoke some weed. A tranquil state of mind can come because you throw back uh, three or four shots of Jim Bean. A tranquil state of mind can come because somebody lies to you and makes you a promise and you think the problem has been solved. A tranquil state of mind can come for a lot of reasons and none of those reasons may include the fact that the problem is solved or that there are the resources that are available to solve the problem. You see, the peace with God starts with the fact that there is peace between you and God. It starts with the fact that you don't have to be afraid of God. You don't have to be afraid that God is going to hurt you. You don't have to be afraid that God's going to do something hard and mean to test you. You don't have to be afraid that God's going to bring anything painful into your life. That's, that, that's where it starts. Secondly, because there's peace with God, then you know that all of God's resources are available to you for not only for your life in general, but for this situation. Now, <clears throat> the peace that God gives, see the word peace in the Hebrew in the Old Testament and in the Greek in the New Testament, both of these words are interchangeable with healing, with prosperity. In other words, all of, all of the aspects or all the provisions of salvation uh, are very much synonymous with the word peace. Well, why? Because you see, peace comes to us because God's resources are ours. Because we are at peace with God, and therefore all that He has is available to us. And when, when all that He has is available to us, then we are going to have peace because we know that the resources to meet every need that we're facing is ours. Listen, that is the peace of God. That's not the peace that the world gives. Listen, let me tell you a little bit about this new series I've got. I think that this series is, is a game changer. It's called The Stressed Antidote. Now, the only stress antidote is the peace of God.
And in this series, there are eight messages that I am telling you, they are power-packed messages filled with scriptural insight and understanding and even some exercises that you can do. Now, this series is part of a heart physics mo module. The only thing that's not included with this series are the heart physics exercises, which if you decide you want to get those, you, you can get those. But I'm going to tell you something. Within this eight message series, you are going to get enough tools that you can turn your life around and you can leave the world of chaos behind. So, so be sure if you're watching on YouTube, you can click and you, you can take a look at this. If not, go to my go to my uh, website, impactministries.com, and just look for the slider that's going to come up across the top on the way of peace and check this out because I'm telling you, God wants you to live in peace. And the majority of what God wants to do in your life, He can't do if you're not in peace. You can't do it. Living in stress and asking God to work in your life is sort of like taking a hammer and hitting your hand and you're hitting your hand over and over and over and you're deeply and sincerely praying, God, make my hand stop hurting. God can't make your hand stop hurting as long as you keep doing what you're doing. That's the way it is with, with the peace of God. When we get into the peace of God, we can experience all that God has. We can come to that place. We can connect to all of the resources. Now, there is a, there's a terminology in the book of Isaiah, as well as in the, as well as in the book of Romans, I think it is. And, and it, it describes people who live in constant chaos. It describes people who's, who the pieces of their lives never really come together. And one of the things it says about these people, it says the way of peace they have not known. Now, one of the things that the Bible teaches us is, is and we've talked about this in, in recent broadcasts, I think it's uh, based on Jeremiah 6, 16. It says that whenever we come to a crossroads, whenever we're, when we're facing uh, uh, making our choice about the options that are before us, it says that we need to stand there. And that word stand means that we need to be reflecting. We need to be meditating. We need to be considering the outcome. And it says, and it says in this, we need to ask for the old paths. Now, one of the things that's interesting about the old paths, in other words, I'm standing here looking and, and, and I'm, I'm wanting God's wisdom in this thing. The old path is, is, is a hidden path. It's a path that we very often can't see when we're just looking at it intellectually. But one of the things about the, about the old path or the hidden path is that the hidden path leads us back to harmony with God. And, and it actually even talks about in, in Jeremiah in that passage of Scripture how it takes us to the good way. We, 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 we want to pray. We want to seek God. And, and we want Him to lead us in the good way. Well, that, that word good, anytime you see the word good in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, one of the concepts of that word is to harmonize. Now, you know, whenever in the book of Genesis, when, when it would say that God created so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so -and, -so and it was good. Well, that word good, it doesn't mean it was just pleasant. It doesn't, it talks, it addresses more than just the outcome 
uh, of something being good because the reason the outcome is good is because it is harmonized with God. It is harmonized with God's creation. So every time God would create what I call a new layer of creation, he would stop and look at it. And because it was in harmony with everything that he had done up until that point, that is why it had a good outcome. And that's the way it is in our life, is we have good outcome in our life when we harmonize with God. But interestingly, when it talks about this, this choosing this path, we always want to choose a path that leads us back to the place of peace with God. Now, interestingly, you know, we... In, in, in Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, and coming to Isaiah 59, we, we read it and, and, and we don't quite get what it's talking about. And it's talking about how that they, how that they ignored the Sabbath. It's talking about how that, uh, how that uh, uh, you know, they turned the Sabbath into something corrupt and this sort of thing. Well, see, today there's so many people are criticizing every part of the law. There's, everything is bashing the law and, and this is what we have in the New Testament. And you know, I understand and I get that people are trying to help you understand that you're free from legalism. And while you are free from legalism, I want you to understand something. Jesus never bashed the law and Paul never bashed the law. They bashed the law as it had become based on the twisted teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. Based on, based on taking the law and turn it into something that God never made it to be. You know, there's so many things that the Jews had strictly defined about, okay, on the Sabbath, you can only walk this far. It didn't tell you that anywhere in God's Word. Matter of fact, it just told you to make the Sabbath holy and make it a day of rest and a day of dedication unto Him. And the fact that he didn't tell you how far you could or couldn't walk meant you had to listen to your own heart. You had to, you had to keep your own conscience clear. And of course, in, in legalism, they tried to define everything. They removed any connection between your heart and God's heart. And so, and so in Isaiah 53, he starts talking about this perversion of the, of the Sabbath and, and how, that, how that people had become so corrupt. And it comes down to this, and the way of peace they have not known. Well, now, let me say this. First of all, instead of looking at the law and talking about what all is wrong with the law, maybe we should consider a couple of things. First thing we need to consider is this. Paul says that when you judge the law, you are judging God. I don't want to be judging God. Secondly, uh, when, you con when your teaching contradicts Jesus' teaching, you, you need to kind of take pause there and just think, well, wait a minute. Now, see, I know people say, well, Jesus was a teacher of the law. We got a new covenant. There's nowhere ever, anywhere it says Jesus was a teacher of the law. Jesus was a teacher of the kingdom of God. He taught us how to understand the law and the commandments based on, on the new covenant. Now, all of the rituals of the law were done away with. But now keep in mind how we treat each other, all the commandments about how to treat each other, there was no ritual involved with that. That was telling you how to walk in love toward other people. But all the rituals that had to do with the Sabbath, that had to do with the sacrifices, the feasts, all of those have their perfect expression in Jesus. So, so while the rituals are done away with, what the, they revealed about God's character and nature and what they revealed about Jesus is not done away with. 
They were types. They were shadows to show us. See, we would not know who Jesus is if we didn't have all those rituals, all those feasts, all those sacrifices. So we don't do all those now because the reality is in Jesus, but we don't throw away the truth that is embedded in there about how to relate to Jesus. Now, Jesus is our Sabbath. In other words, you know, under, under the old covenant, keeping the Sabbath was a sign that you accepted the terms of the old covenant, that you, that you chose to pursue God based on that covenant. Well, if Jesus is our Sabbath, our place of rest, our place of peace, then, then clinging to Him and making Him your source, your place of rest. And people always want to go rest in the sense of never doing anything. No, this, this is a rest in your pursuit of righteousness. This is a rest where, where, where you rest in Him and you surrender your life to Him. This is, a, this, this is a, a rest that goes beyond just some of the shallow definitions I'm hearing about rest. But so Jesus is our Sabbath, which is the evidence that we accept the new covenant, the terms of the new covenant. There's a, there's a lot of terms of the new covenant. Now, under the new covenant, walking in love, which is defined by all of these things in the Old Testament, in other words, how I'm going to treat people, walking in love is defined. It didn't go away. And not only did it not go away, but it actually, uh, walking in love became the premier mark, the premier fruit, the ultimate expression of whether or not, in fact, you accepted and lived in this new covenant, the fruit of love. And love is not the way you define it or the way I define it. Love is the way God defines it. And when we walk in love one toward another, we're going to have peace with each other. When we walk in love one toward another, according to the apostle John, our heart will not condemn us. When we walk in love, our heart opens up and we're able to receive and experience the love of God. So Jesus is our Sabbath. We are in a rest because of Him. And our ultimate goal is to, it really is to stay connected to Him in a relational way. You know, it's really interesting. When you start talking about staying connected with God, many people are going to pop out this scripture in the book of Romans and says, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So they're going to say, you see, it doesn't matter what you do. Nothing's going to separate you from the love of God. Well, wait a minute. That's sort of like saying your mama's going to love you no matter what you do. Well, loving you and having a relationship with you, loving you and being able to help you, loving you and being able to, to bring you uh, uh, or lead you down a path where your life gets better, that's two different things. And, you know, just because somebody loves you does not mean they can bring any benefit into your life. The question is, do you love them? Are you open to them? You see, people who understand the way of peace, these are people that are committed to, to not only experiencing peace with God, but they're committed to being peacemakers. They, they are the ones who, who they don't want to violate their conscience. They always want to walk in love. If possible, they, they want every situation to end in peace, not in compromise, not in just the absence of conflict, but in peace because they bring God's influence to any situation. See, God has called us to walk the path or the way of peace. Now, the problem is these people uh, that were spoken of in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they 
not only did they not even get it about the way of peace, not, it really wasn't that they didn't get it, they didn't choose the way of peace. They, saw, they sought self-gratification, which put them in conflict with themselves, put them in conflict with people, and put them opposed to the love of God, opposed to an intimate connection with God. They couldn't maintain an intimate connection with God while rejecting His truth. And, and you know, yes, God still loves you, but that does not mean you are in relationship with Him whenever you are walking in, in uh, wrath and anger and iniquity and rebellion and all of these kinds of things. Yes, He loves you, but there's, there's no relationship there. Now, we want to be people who know the way of peace, but we want to be people that when we're standing there making any decision, we're always like early Hebrews where we're always contemplating which path will assure that at the end of this, no matter what other outcomes are involved, I will be at peace with God. There will be harmony between God and me. That's the path that we want to choose. That's the way of peace. And I want to tell you something. That's the thing that I really don't meet many people that understand. See, we have this tendency to think that the way of peace is just, is just okay, I make a mess out of my life. I create chaos in my life, and then I just beg God to give me peace. That's really not the way of peace. That's not what the Bible says about the way of peace. So one of the things we're going to do in this next program, in this next broadcast, we're going to be talking specifically about the way of peace. What does it really, really look like in real life? But it's got to start with the intention, the desire, the commitment that I am going to walk the path of peace. I am going to, I'm going to stay at peace in my heart I'm going to stay as much as it lies within me. I'm not going to compromise to do this, but I'm going to stay at peace with people. And, and you got to realize to stay at peace with people and to hold on to your values means that I'm not going to be a compromiser, but I'm also not going to be so foolish as to think it's my place to straighten everybody else. It's not my place to, 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 to make everybody see things the way I see things. You know, sometimes the peacemaker is the, sometimes is the person who just knows to keep their mouth shut unless people are asking for their advice. So many people come to me for counseling over the years as a pastor, and they were in conflict with people. And when you start talking to them, they're like, all I was trying to do was help them. All I was trying to do was try minister to them. And, and, and really what it came down to, I was just, I was telling them what they ought to do. I was telling them how they ought to deal with this. And so they ended up not having peace. And I'm like, you know what? If nobody is asking you for your input, you need to get permission before you start giving your input because you want to be at peace in your own heart. You want to be at peace with people around you. And you want to do everything you can to guard this peace between you and God. Because when there's peace between you and God, you have this overriding realization that, that you have access to all of the kingdom resources. And see, John said when we violate our conscience, i.e. lose our peace, that our heart's going to condemn us. When we don't walk in love, you know, we hadn't done anything wrong to anybody. We haven't, you know, committed any offense. But he just says, you know what, when you don't walk in love, he says, your heart's going to condemn you. And he says, and when your heart condemns you, you can't receive the request to your prayers. You can't receive it. You can't take hold of it. It's not because God has rejected you. It's not because God's withholding it. 
you can't take hold of the resources of God whenever your heart condemns you. Listen, make the decision. Pray this prayer. When, when, when this broadcast ends, pray the prayer. Father, I commit myself to the way of peace. I'm, I am committed to having peace in my heart. I'm committed to being at peace with you. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to start walking the way of peace. Listen, if you will, when this broadcast goes off, just take just, it won't take you 10 seconds to be sure and click the subscribe button because when you do, thousands of people all over the world are going to have an opportunity to hear these messages and connect to God in the way that you are. You can help me touch so many lives by doing this. And listen, be sure to share these broadcasts with people, send links to people, minister to as many people as you can. Let this be mess, the message that you send to people to help them find this way of peace. I'll be talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.